podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prince Podcast. This is Michael Dean joining us today here on podcastjuice.net. Listen, I have another guest with me today. Uh, you may have seen some of her articles about Prince and uh, Prince books that are coming out. Uh, her name is Aisha K. Staggers. Aisha, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some Prince with you. And, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so just to give uh, the listeners a little background, uh, can you tell us about yourself? I, I, we, uh, you have your article out right now on uh, Book Trib and also uh, I think the one we've all seen on Huffington Post. Uh, you have a couple right. of pieces on there. Right. And, and they're basically um, kind of cross-listed articles. I wrote the uh, Huffington Post article about the Book Trib article. Um so it, it was just a creative way of getting the story out there. But um, I am senior editor for BookTrip.com, which is a um, company for Merrill Moss Media, which is a literary PR firm. And we have we um, represent books and authors. We have a couple of bestsellers. And BookTrip is the website, basically an online magazine that. Um, showcases books, not just by our authors, but different authors. We recommend books. We, we review books. We talk about the, the art of writing. Um, and we interview writers. We do um, audio podcasts with different writers. I do an author chat series, which is a video Skype series where I interview different authors. And... Um, that's what I do, and I'm a writer myself. And prior to that, I was a professor at least part-time, and I worked in politics and public policy. Damn. So this right. is a different kind of thing. So this sister comes with some credentials now. <laughs> yes. For sure, I love Oh, it. and I'm a graduate of Fisk University. I always put that out there because I love my university, and I love my sister. So. That's what's up. All right. Um, and also, you had a great uh, piece about the uh, upcoming book, Prince, A Private View, uh, with Mr. Mm-hmm. Afshin. Um, yeah. Tell us about Shahidi. that. Um, you know what? I I always believe that the worst thing a person can say to you is no. <laughs> so I took a chance, and I just contacted him by a Facebook messenger. I knew the book was coming out. Um, I knew Beyonce did the foreword. I'm, I am, um, to, to be perfectly honest, I am not a huge Beyonce fan. I'm a casual Beyonce fan. You know, there are people that are like, he has, he has sex with my younger sister. She's right. like that. Um, but I thought the book was, I thought it was pretty interesting to get this view of Prince through photographs. And um, I wanted to know why Beyonce to do the foreword when, you know, there are so many different other people that have worked with Prince that he could have asked. So I contacted him on Facebook through Messenger and said, you know, I'm going to include your book um, in a listicle of 15 books that I'm going to um, recommend. But um, do you want to talk and and answer a few questions? And he said, sure. And he, he offered me, he also offered to give away a book. And I was like, okay, great. And so, um, I had a list of like five or six questions. He answered the questions, and I was only going to include certain quotes in the original listicle of 15 books. 
But the stories that he told and the way that he told and, and humanized Prince, particularly that last story of walking um, the two blocks mm-hmm. to the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Awards in New York City. Um, it, it, I live on the East Coast. If you've ever walked two blocks in New York City, they're not like regular blocks anywhere <laughs> else. So for Prince to be walking two blocks without a bodyguard, it was the coolest thing to me to um, see. And, and how that ended, I was just like, this whole this whole interview needs to be um, shown. Right. And so I told him, I said, you know what? I'm not only to just write a whole article about this because I, I, I really think it was it was really complete, and um, I, I wanted people to, to hear that last story because if I just included a part of it in my um, 15 list, my 15 book list, I didn't think that. I could um, relay all of what I needed to. And so I did a separate story. Yeah, no, that, that's the type of stuff that uh, is special when you, you hear those types of stories because it's not the sort of rock star story. It's like this is the man and you're sharing some private time with them. So, yeah, that, that was the great, greatest part uh, of that whole part there that you had. I, I really appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. looking forward to that book and then we'll have him on the show as well I sort of did the same thing you did it's uh, funny that you say that you know go on Facebook and say hey <laughs> you know um, sort of introduce yeah, yourself the worst thing I can say is no exactly no I'm not going to do it well with that said and you've got a lot of books here um, in this list some are out Some, a couple of them are coming out some big ones uh, matter of fact mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to ask you, because uh, it sounds like you obviously are a Prince fan. Um, <laughs> so before we get into That's like, right. Okay. So before <laughs> we get into like, you know, the, the, the books and stuff, I wanted to ask you like, uh, when was your like, you know, coming to Prince moment? I'll say when you just, whenever you saw that and you was like, I, I'm a part of this, I need to be a part of this Prince thing. Well, I wrote this, um, I'm going to be writing the liner notes for a, Three tribute album that's coming out the end of November, early December. That's executive produced by Niall Sturgis and Elisa Fiorello, who worked with Prince. And I told this story for their announcement um, earlier this week. Um, I was I had always known who um, Prince was. My father was a DJ, so I do remember him playing. I want to be your lover, but it, it, was, it wasn't something that clicked for me. I remember seeing 1999 and the Red Corvette on MTV because, you know, as an African-American kid, you paid attention to the, the very few times you saw black artists on MTV because you sit there for six hours to see one's face. And I remember those videos. But um, the story I was telling is that I am an avid reader, obviously, and um, I was sitting on the living room floor reading this book by Beverly Cleary called Ellen Tebbit. And I had the TV on, MTV, not paying attention too much. And I heard the guitar intro to When Dubs Cry and looked up and saw these doves flying through a door and a man in a bathtub. And I was just so intrigued by that. And then at the same time, I was kind of, uh, flustered 
because I'm like looking around to make sure no one's coming in the living room because <laughs> I didn't feel like I should be watching this naked man in a bathtub, and here I was, nine years old. <laughs> and so, I, um, I mean, that was it. And the only thing I wanted after I saw that was to see the movie Purple Rain. My birthday is September 23rd. So September 23rd, 1984, I wanted a slumber party, a new bike, and to see Purple Rain. And I got all three. And my dad being a DJ brought me, um, they had promo copies of When Doves Cry. He brought me one home. And um, being the kind of kid I was, particularly with listening to music, um, you know, one of my earliest pictures is me at six months old with my dad learning how to put and go on a record. So me being the kid that I was, instead of listening to When Doves Cry, I flipped it over and played the B-side, which was 17 Days. Yep. And that is really when I came to appreciate um, Prince as an artist. Um, you know, it, it, I like the popular songs, but for me, I really like the ones that are not popular that has not been playing on the radio. Like my favorite Prince album is Love Sex. Okay. <laughs> it, I it, know. It my favorite Prince album is Love Sexy. Um, well, let, let me I ask you this. Did, did you go to the Love Sexy uh, concert? I was too young. <laughs> I was I was like 13, 12, 13. I couldn't go. I had to make a choice. You know, my mother was not going to let me go, mostly because I almost didn't get the album because he was naked on the cover. Right, right. And I, I mean, we had a huge compromise. It was, it was like, you know, having um, relations between the United States and Cuba and trying to um, <laughs> negotiate, my mother and I. And... Um, I was able to get the Love Sexy album, but I could not keep the cover. Interesting. I could keep the inside. I got the cover back when I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is coincidentally the same time I got the uh, poster from the Inside of the Controversy oh, album. Lord. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I, um, it's the funniest story. I, when I got the album, I was probably like 11, 12. So I went back after... After Purple Rain came out, I went back and started buying his back catalog. Mm -hmm. And the poster, I knew I shouldn't have had it. I put it on the back of my bedroom door, so when I closed the door, only I could see it. <laughs> no one else could. But um, my dad came in the room once and was telling me something, closed the door, and saw it in the mirror. I didn't get that poster back, so I went to college either. <laughs> <laughs> wow. First was wild boy, man. That's my guy. I know. Yeah. Yeah. My mom just learned last Thanksgiving that his lyrics were sexually suggestive. Really? Uh, yeah. And I guess maybe I was smart enough because I always listened in headphones. But um, last year she's like, Prince had nasty lyrics? <laughs> and I'm looking at my mother like, yeah. Wow. How did you not, how did you not know in 30 years? That's funny. Let, let, let me ask you this. I wanted to go back to... Yeah. Um, you mentioned Purple Rain, the movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always, you know, I was, I went to it when it first came out as well, but I'm always curious to hear people's sort of um, experience of seeing that imagery on the big screen, right? Like, 
We had never seen oh anything God. like that before. So I'm curious, how did how did that affect you when you first went to go see that movie and you're you're given a full picture of Prince, you know, as he was at that particular time? Okay, so um, we went for my birthday. So my mother took me and a couple of friends, um, basically my cousin and one of my and one of my um, close friends. And I was in fifth grade. Okay, just started fifth grade at the time. So. Um, Two of my cousins, one's older, um, their mom had taken them to see it. And so our mom talked about it. And um, my mother took um, three cousins, my friend, and my two sisters. My sisters are younger than I am, by three and four years. Mm -hmm. And we had to close our eyes. My mother had us covering our eyes (laughs) once when um, Apollonia jumped in the lake, which to me, when I got older, made no sense because we were winning. Eventually, we were going to have those. (laughs) And then then the bedroom scene, right? Mm. So that was, like, that's the funniest thing. Like, closing my eyes and peeking through my fingers, watching it. But um, I was tremendously moved by um, the opening of it. It it was just, it was captivating from the beginning, the performances especially. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't articulate it at ten, but I did. I could um, when I got to be in my my thirty. And I, I said this to someone, and I actually wrote about it um, for this anthology I'm contributing to. That Prince was the most free black man I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Um, he was not confined by anything, not anything with regards to gender, um, with regards to race. He crossed all kinds of genres of rock music. And I'm a hip-hop fan, especially old-school hip-hop fan. Okay. Big hip-hop head. But you realize that men in hip-hop, are very, particularly African-American men, are very much confined to mm-hmm. these constraints of masculinity mm-hmm. in, the de- in the conventional definition. And Prince didn't have any of those constraints. And um, seeing this man who was just so free in how he produced his music, how he, how he looked his image, um, even the way he, he wore his hair, it was, it was very liberating but it also meant, it meant a lot to me as, um, you know, an African-American child growing up. And to know that there was someone who could be that free and feel that free, that I, my whole life, um, really hated being confined or put in a box. Yeah, and you touched on something interesting, because we're probably not too far off from age-wise, and so I want to ask you this. You mentioned you're a hip-hop fan, um, mm-hmm. so I would, if I, if I could put you in a time frame, you are really probably a part of uh, probably coming out of Run DMC and getting into that golden yeah. age of hip-hop uh, era, yeah. 88 and all that, and that was my time. So, And I know there was a struggle, at least for me and some of my friends. So I was a huge Prince fan, but of course I'm in a hip-hop world. And, right. you know, sort of the, I don't know if it's a contradiction, but the fact of you have Prince who has very much his own style, which 
you know, kind of dates back to the little Richards and, and you know, things in terms mm-hmm. of what you could do with your uh, image. And then you have a very strong hip hop masculine and, you know, hardcore sort of image that sort of contradicts each other. But Prince's music, you can't deny it. Um, but how does it for you, like, was there any sort of conflict, like, you know, why you know, from your friends or something? Like, why are you listening to this when uh, we all over here right now? And yeah, Prince is cool, but and he looked crazy or that's not, you know, what I mean, did you ever feel any of that or sense that sort of thing? I think in the 90s where it appeared to people that Prince felt weird, it, it, you know, I, I heard it. No one ever came at me directly with it. And I think the difference for me is being a female mm, okay. um, who's a hip-hop fan, it was okay to be um, a major Prince fan. I'm going to be 40 for the next month, so I, I make no quivers or qualms about my age because okay. I don't look it. But um, my favorite, you know, one of my favorite authors, his name is Cedric Duke. His name is Mark Anthony Neal. And he writes a lot about um, people in our generation. We have, this, we have this unique position in having one foot in Generation X mm-hmm. and the other foot in the hip-hop generation. Okay. And um, he defines uh, anyone born after 1960. 1969, 1970 to kind of 1984 as being a soul baby. And I totally embraced that because, you know, I grew up listening to my parents' music, which was Motown. I'm a huge Philly Soul fan. You know, Teddy Pendergrass, mm-hmm. um, Gamble and Huff, everything that they produced. I like good, you know, mu- music that's been well produced. But then I had an older brother who he introduced me to um, Slick Rick and Dozen Fresh. So, okay. you know, um, his KRS-One, The Bridge is Over, I started really embracing hip-hop and that dichotomy of loving hip-hop and then loving Prince, who was so not hip-hop. Um, I think it could have been difficult, but everyone who knew me kind of, you know, no one ever said anything. There are two people. I, you know, my four favorite artists are Marvin Gaye, Prince, Michael Jackson, and Tina Marie. However, there are two artists that you never say anything bad about in my presence, and that is Mary J. Blige and Prince. <laughs> and um, I have ended dates with men <laughs> who told me my Prince. Really? Honestly. Yes, yes. I had a one. I had one date with the guy. The first date, we were talking about music we liked. He said, and he asked me. I said, I like Prince. Said, yeah, I don't like Prince. I said, you know what? I drove myself here. So I think I'm just gonna go home. Wow. Date, <laughs> Damn. Date was done and over. So no one, um, you know, no one ever really approached me that way. But I think being a female has a lot to do with it. The right. only time, the only thing that ever like came at me where guys saying, I don't understand what women see in print. Can you explain it to me? And um, I always say, you know what? If you did what Prince did, if you tried to look like Prince did, I would not be attracted to you. Only Prince can get away with that. Right. I would not mind sharing my mascara or my heels with Prince. However, do not, no. 
Yeah, that, and that's yeah. a. Let me to cut you off. That is a. And that's a conversation. That that's a book. Maybe it's already been done. That I think really would be a very interesting, you know, sort of study because, as a man, I get it. Like I understand. I can look at Prince and say, I see why women are attracted to him and why it's a tough thing to pull off what he is doing. Uh, yeah. As a man, I could say in my mind, I would think the only people that I would sort of consider that sort of have that same sort of um, it's just an instinctual sort of, I think, magnetism that they honestly are putting forth would be a prince, mm-hmm. uh, m- maybe like a Lenny Kravitz. Uh, yeah. uh, I would say for a hip hop person, it would be Andre 3000. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, oh, it's, it's just a sort of black male magnetism i'm trying to find the words that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter you could put them in anything that type of vibe that they exude is going to come forward and so they don't have to be overly masculine <laughs> their right. whole being is masculine in a way that appeals to women and men just wouldn't you know, we wouldn't understand that on a normal level like ah but yeah i mean it's yeah it's like you can't you can't explain it it's like on one hand you want to look as pretty as Prince, and on the other hand, there is something so sexual about him that draws you to him as a man. You, you can't, it makes no sense <laughs> in any kind of realm, but he, that is what he had. You're right, and Andre, Andre 3000 has that as well, who I just adore, it, as you know, I adore Lenny Kravitz to see. He's another one. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it, it, you know, you can't explain it. I've never been able to explain it except to say that um, I hate going shoe shopping with men. Absolutely hate it. <laughs> I would not mind going shoe shopping with Prince. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Prince and I could chill at the mat counter, and I would still be sexually attracted to him afterwards. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not something you can explain, but he had get it. he had that about him. Yeah, you know, it might be that there's such men that it. You know, what I mean, it's like uh, with all the makeup or whatever. You still see that man come through. Mm. Like, there's no question that he's a man. You know, you look at Prince, and for me, I look. I I see when I look at Prince, I see. I see like the Mac and what I mean by that, mm-hmm. like the movie, yes, uh, you the know, movie. I see uh-huh. that style and what he's doing that to me, that's what I look at. I'm like, he's just like a pimp or something. Like, I'm not saying he's taking care of taking uh, you know, pimping women, but I'm saying in terms of a way, like he carries himself, he is so confident that it doesn't, he can put anything on. And so it's right. like, almost like I can be on the absurd and make this look fly as hell. Well, you know, if you ever, you know, and I don't know how many of your um, listeners have ever seen The Mac. Um, If you watch The Mac, there's that scene. There's that scene that... um, With the white girl? Yes, with Matt Julian and and the the white girl. The one that that Martin imitated on this show. Yes, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) You know know what I'm talking about? You know, we we can go to the top, baby. You know, that that one. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all Prince. If you watch that movie, it's like, I feel like Prince watched this movie before he decided on how mm. he was going to practice image. 
I can you can see it there. You almost hear he almost says the words I want to be your lover in that scene almost. Yeah, you you really, really do. And I think that's the other part that makes Prince so masculine, um, regardless of he could he could wear a woman's, you know, blouse and still look masculine because the words coming out of his mouth, the lyrics were mm-hmm. there was no doubt that those lyrics were about sexual encounters with women. Yeah. And that is, and he made it very, he made it very clear that, um, you know, to, to quote, uh, Torre, who I actually did in the book, um, in the article, it was like, you know, Prince made no doubt that the, the you know, his songs were about boning. <laughs> <laughs> And he had the game enough to tell you that they weren't. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, um, I love the interview that he did with Mel B. And she's like, well, I like your songs because they're about sex. And he's like, they are not. Right. And, and I'm, I sat there and watched them like, I'm lying. <laughs> but, you know, it, that, that is who he was. And I, I you have to love that about him. It, it's like, I... I told someone this last year that Prince was a walking contradiction. Hmm. And you realize that he was okay with that. Most of us are not okay with our contradictions. He was, he could say one thing and do another. And you're like, wait a second. Those two things do not go together and they go against each other. But understand that that's, that's who he was. And in being that walking contradiction, he was probably more human than any of us really understand. Interesting. All right. Well, let me, uh, let's get into some of the books here. So I wanted to ask you first off, like, uh, what were, what are some of your personal favorite, uh, Prince books that have come out? Personal favorite. You know, I'll, I'll be honest because I write, um, it's very difficult for me to discern a personal favorite. Okay. I take um, I take different parts of books, and I like different aspects of books. And um, I'll have a favorite section of a book, okay. and then you know you can take you can take it and leave it. I, I had a friend who um, uh, Steve, Stephen Ivory who wrote the first print biography in 1984 mm-hmm. um, used to work for her when she owned Soul Magazine. And the first interview that Stephen Ivory did was for Soul, for my friend. We share a birthday. She's a mentor to me. I call her me at 70. And um, she always tells me, if you're going to tell it all, if you're going to tell it, tell it all. If you're not, don't tell it at all. And I find that you don't find that in books too much. So I had different um, different parts of the book that were my favorite. So, for example, um, Alan Light's book, um, Let's Go Crazy, the making, um, Prince in the Making of Purple Rain, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, the story was great. I liked hearing about the making of the movie. But the part that really got me was the epilogue where he's talking about standing, um, and I liked it, he talks about standing on Broadway in New Haven, Connecticut, which is where I'm from, at Cutler's Record Store, which isn't there anymore, um, but was an institution in New Haven. 
waiting for tickets to get to see Purple Rain at Madison Square Garden. And I remember when that happened that day because we were driving from dance class and we saw all the kids from Yale standing in that line to get those tickets. And so when he, when I was reading that, I'm like, oh my God, I remember that. I saw that. And so I loved that part of the book um, because it was very personal. Um, there are a lot of people who said that they don't like Alan Hahn's book and didn't understand why I included it. You know, I read Possessed. This book actually is different from Possessed if you read it. I don't think a lot of people have read it. Um, and he does cover some things that I've been told by people individually that are actually, that were stories that I'm like, okay, this, you know, so-and-so, and I don't mention who told me this, this is true. But one of the things that I did enjoy were um, the things that he quoted from Jill Jones, mm-hmm. because Jill is straight no chaser. And she um, she didn't sugarcoat anything. She um, she made you see Prince as he was, and you know, which was human. Um, but also to me, because I knew who Jill Jones was before I knew who Prince was, and oh, a lot of people don't. I did, and um, the reason is because Jill sang back up for Tina Marie, right? And she co-wrote. Um, the Ballad of Cradle Robin Me with Tina Marie. And so I remember going to buy that album with my dad in 1981. And so I knew who she was beforehand. And so seeing her with Prince, like, okay. And I I know about her Motown history. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, I enjoyed that part of that book. Um, When it came to um, memoirs, I like. I included um, Denise Matthews, who had been known as Vanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I included her memoir because it wasn't just about her time with Prince. I haven't actually you know? read that one yet. That's one I haven't read. I read it because I borrowed it from someone else. And um, for me, um, I... I enjoyed not just her her history with Prince and her telling of her life before meeting Prince, but reading about her going through the illness that she was going through, because I have two siblings who had um, transplant with me, and um, I know what that looks like. And she was a very brave woman. I mean, you know, she survived longer than some people do on dialysis. And it, as difficult as it was, she never, you never got from her um, that she was bitter about anything. She was always full of love. She was, you know, she was uplifting and, and she was constantly encouraging people. And she didn't sell prints out. And that made, that meant a lot to me was that, you know, there was nothing, you know, she was truthful, but you could feel the love that was there. Um, so that was one of the ones that I was happy to include. I, um, I, you know, I also included, 
21 nights because, you know, <laughs> short of a Prince memoir, this was something that was in his own work hmm. that he left. It is out of print. It's hard to find. Um, there are copies available, but it was short of his own memoir. It was something in his own words. And, and I think that now more than ever, people are looking for things in his own words. And I, and I actually do hope that his memoir is completed. There is a way right. to do it. You know, being a writer, I can think of a dozen ways that it can be completed where it is his words, it is his work. Um, without any kind of um, any kind of uh, perspective or interpretation put on it, um, but of course it would have to be a person who's a writer to do it. Yeah, I'm actually um, surprised they haven't uh, really put the word out on that because I would imagine that would be a book that uh, many people would want to read. You know. Well, you know, you, you have to remember too: the estate is still in probate. So I think once all of that settles, you know, then they can kind of start to move on some of these other things. With um, a print memoir, the publisher said that he turned in 50 pages. I write. I've talked to other writers. I know other writers. I have friends that are writers. If he turned in 50 pages, he wrote about 200. Interesting. All right. Um, I I, got to ask you. you Oh, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's how you do. I mean, you know, you turn in 50 pages to a publisher, that's because that's been edited and that's what you think is good. But you wrote a dozen others. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I, I could see the allure of it, you know, uh, reading the unedited stuff mm-hmm. that he did, you know, just just to give it give us the whole picture, even if it's all of, if some of it's all over the place, fine. But uh, yeah, it would be a very interesting read. Um, yeah. Okay, so you mentioned some of the books. Um, what is going to kind of going to go back to uh, the rise of Prince, the one with Alex Hahn. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I had read that book as well, and I had read his previous book. Um, and there's something about this new one, and I think it's the stories about uh, the parts about the video when he was a boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that thing that really just touched me in such a way it, so it, for whatever reason it put a lot of things in context to me about Prince and just made me think about mm-hmm. that little boy and the things he's experienced and then sort of the man he becomes I thought that was a very interesting element that I hadn't seen in any of the previous books mm-hmm. um, that really kind of was like man and it was interesting so I read that and then shortly after that one came out or was around the same time the vanity book not the vanity but the my tape book came out and mm-hmm. that was a whole other thing too and I, it really was very interesting i was like man these these books are kind of a gut punch to me and i've obviously read most of these books but these i don't know it was something about those two at that particular time uh just really showed prince in a different light it wasn't also it wasn't so much about the practice in the studio work, but it had other stuff in there uh, aside from the performance that you don't normally get to uh, get into. And it was from, you know, people who were there to, to explain about it. I was, thought that was interesting. Um, well, you know, Alex Tong, he also, and I did update my article because Alex, I talked to Alex back and forth and Laura back and forth as I was um, contemplating 
this article, and Alex did tell me why um, this book is the way it is. And I think that people who did not like Possessed and refused to read this one really missed out, because initially I was kind of like, why, why, you know, Almost a year ago, I'm kind of like, I don't get this. I'm not going to look at this book. But then I decided to read it because, you know, it was like, I might be wrong. And in reading it, you he does tell you more about Prince's early life than you find in Possessed. But there are also personal stories um, from people. And reading that particular part of the book, reminded me of the John Green book, Prince Inside the Purple Rain from 1985. Mm. Um, it reminded me of um, DNSR, it reminded me of Clint book. And people asked, people did ask me why I left out those particular books. <laughs> I was about to ask and you. I, yeah, and I explained to them, I said, the reason being, not that I don't think they're great books, and not that they weren't appropriate for this list. Again, I'm writing those liner notes, and I have personal stories about each of those books as to why writing these liner notes was right for me. And so I included them there. So I didn't want to spoil that surprise. But the John Green book, I got as a birthday present from a friend when I was in um, sixth grade. Her name was Rhonda Haynes. Rhonda and I was sit for hours and just listening to Prince music. Rhonda always called me Anastasia because the song same initials. Mm-hmm. And she said, if, she, if you say my name fast enough, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, you know, that book stayed in my top drawer where I kept all my little personal, private things that were important to me. It was from 1985 until I went to college and moved out my bedroom. So I didn't include it here because I included it in my story about the liner notes. Um, same with the other, with the other. And I, you know, I really did like those books. So I wanted to include books too that people, you know, that were off the beaten path. Those books would have been so typical to include here. I also realized that not just print fans read our site. We, I made a concerted effort to reach out to um, the Purple family because I knew I was giving away these books. Um, But I also knew that we have people who read our our stuff um, who are not necessarily Prince fans, but they like music files. And, you know, it's like with anything. It's like with movies. You're not going to like everything that you see. And you're not going to dislike everything that you see. I can't watch Game of Thrones. People love Game of Thrones. I can't watch Game of Thrones. I don't like power. You say you don't like power? I don't like power. Oh, but that's up. because I don't like 50 Cent. Um, oh, here you so, go. <laughs> right. I, I can't watch it. But oh, I don't, you know, but for somebody, you know, so to understand that, it, it's kind of like, you know what? If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you don't like my book choices, you don't like them. But understand, I chose these all for specific reasons. Um, the ones that, like, I, I chose Steve Park book, for example, um, because some of my favorite pictures of Spence were in his book. And one of the stories in that book 
about um, about uh, Prince's hair when they had to um, do some new shooting of Steve for Purple Rain to find out to find out that he was actually wearing a wig because he dyed his hair blonde. Mm-hmm. After it made me laugh because my daughter and I were sitting that scene where Prince drops Apollonia off at the hotel, and I'm, I'm, I'm always like, I'm like. Is he wearing a wig or something? Was his curls really fresh? <laughs> and so, you know, reading that in Steve Parker's, Steve Parker's book, I was like, I knew it, I knew it, right. I knew it. Um, but then there was also, um, you know, Torre's book. I'll tell you, um, I was asking Torre something political in 2007 via Twitter and by email. Um, and at that time, Torrey was actually writing the Prince book. Hmm. So I remembered that. And then when the book was done, um, about a year ago, when I read it again, I did ask him a question because I'm like, this really isn't a biography. So what was your intention with it? And I think I like books that are um, sociocultural studies. And that's what that book is, you know, why Prince became an icon. He looked at Prince's influence on Generation X, our generation. And so it's not really a story of Prince's life from birth to success to death. Mm. It's this one reason why Prince became so big. And um, so that's why that got included. I think that, I think you need to have a variety and you either you take it and you know you take what you need from it. You leave the rest. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, this is your list. So, you know, you don't have to like. Uh, it, it's from your choices. <laughs> Be a take it or leave it. You know, what I'm saying everyone can have their their own opinions, but this is yours. So, uh, well, I went through you know the the the, the thing that I went through um, back and forth the most on, and I, you know, no one knows this because I've never said it to anyone when I was contemplating the list. I literally wrote this article on Friday. The list was in my head um, prior to that and actually had about 30 books mm-hmm. on it, um, was including um, the fake book of Prince Song. And I sat there and I'm like, should I, shouldn't I? And we did an article earlier in the week that included one um, from another artist. And I said, you know what? I, probably, I think I will include this, but I'm going to tell the truth. I'm trying to play any of these songs. <laughs> like, I didn't, I am, I'm not a musician. And I tell people, I became a writer because I could not be a musician. Hmm. As much as I love, as much as I love music, I, and worked in radio when I was in college, I'm like, this, I am not a musician. But I did, I can read music. My nephew is an awesome musician. And I made him um, actually uh, do a song that uses DMSR. Um, and so we did get the Facebook for that reason. And, um, you know, and it, it looks nice. Like I said, it looks nice it's on my nice. show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. I know there are people who read who, you know, play music. So I want to make sure that they have the right one. All right, all right. Um, let me ask you this question, so, sort of, if we could uh, dream of a book that we would want. Of of the Prince, 
Associated artists, right? Who okay. who would you love to get a book from? And I'm you know, so it'd be like example there, there's the Sheila book. Oh, so you want you just right off the top, Jill Jones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jill Jones. And I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Because um, well, let me ask you this quick. Have you, did you hear? Did you hear her interview on this show? I did. Okay. I did. I, I love Jill, but the reason I say her is because um, Jill and I know a lot of the same people. I wrote a book a few years ago about Marvin Gaye, and I decided not to publish it because there are things that were told to me, and, and in stories that I'm like, you know what? Not everything needs to be out in public. I feel that way about print. Um, there are certain things that might have happened um, between him and, pe- and other people that do not or did not need to be revealed. Um, and I felt that way about Martin. The 400-page book I wrote is sitting on the top of my shelf in my, in my bedroom closet. Um, but I, you know, I spoke to I spoke to family members. I spoke to as many Motown people as I could before they passed away. A lot passed away while I was doing it. Um, I spoke to um, who became a very good friend of mine. Um, Her name is Vicki Wright. She co-authored a biography about Sammy Terrell, who's Marvin Gaye's um, duet partner, and they're working on a film now. Um, I talked to Sammy Fitcher. I mean, I talked to background singers. I talked to everyone I could possibly talk to. And a lot, and, and you have to remember that, you know, through um, her stepfather, Father Gordy, you know, Jill's first cousins are Diana Ross's daughter and Marvin Gaye's third. And, and so she was there for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an interesting story to hear from someone who went from there then to working with Prince, then to not working with Prince and, um, you know, going to college and becoming a mom and doing what it is she does now. It's, you know, she has a complete life outside of that and that it wasn't, life didn't just start and her career in music didn't just start with Prince. And, you know, the fact that, you know, especially that she's connected to Mary, who's one of my favorites, Rick James and all of that. I'd love to hear those stories. So she's one person who could write a memoir that I would um, really enjoy. Um, the other person would be Nona Gay. Mm. And that's because, again, like Jill, she has a history that starts before Prince mm-hmm. and goes after. And I think those are the um, those are the stories that to me, and that's why I included Vanity's book because her book is like that. She had a beginning, there was print, and there was a period. There was there was the aftermath and the life afterward. Um, because I think that if Prince in writing his own memoir would be, you know, I had a life before I became successful. And after I became successful and kind of, you know, um, walked away from that $100 million contract and got to do my own thing and wasn't, you know, um, constricted by contract, you know, I had a different life. All right. 
My last question for you, and I'll, I'll set this up. So you're a writer, and mm-hmm. let, let's imagine I am, uh, I don't know, I'm some rich guy. I'm the head of, of uh, I don't know, I'm the head of Disney, let's, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have okay. Mer- Merrimack, Merrimax Pictures over here, so that uh, we have this company. And I'm coming to you, and I'm saying, hey, we want to do a Prince movie. But because the Prince story is so big, we only want to focus on, you know, a, a story arc. We want to, of, a, of a period and make an arc out of that. So I don't want to do his whole life. Was that be a multi thing? I want to just do a certain part. So I'm asking you, mm-hmm. what do you think would be the best, in your opinion, what story arc or what section in time should we focus on? Someone did ask me this before, about a month ago. Right. And, um, and, and it's funny, I think if a year ago if you would have asked me this, I would have said no. Um, there shouldn't be one at all. And I got that because I understood why Marvin Gaye's family did not initially want um, a, a biopic done of him unless it was done right. You know, it, it just shouldn't be done. If, it, if you're going to focus on Marvin's view, no, no. With Prince, I think if you're going to do an art film, that you should start from childhood and end with the success of Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Right, that precipice, right before he becomes his major star. Because that's the story that gets kind of lost in the world. We know what happens after Purple Rain. Right. Okay, but it, it's the stuff beforehand. How he got there is it, it, because, you know, he had a lot of challenges growing up, especially growing up in Minnesota. I, I grew up in Connecticut. It, it, you know, the population of people of color in Connecticut is small. We're talking about roughly 10%. So that's, you know, that was a challenge, hearing about how his family migrated from the south to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting, learning about his first, you know, his trip, you know, when he went to New York City to try and get a deal. Um, his first album, the first tour, um, even just finding out and learning about the um, Triple Threat Tour with 1999, where he really thought, where he really thought that was going to, that, that pretty much set him up for Purple Rain to come through, and a lot of people don't realize that. The success of 1999 is why he was actually able to talk people into getting getting the money to do a Purple Rain because you know if he hadn't had that success, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have invested money in it. But that just that right before he becomes this household name, I think that would be the story arc because just. Be told, if you're going to do a print biopic start to finish, that can't be done on, that can't be done on big screen. That would have to be a movie. So right. you're thinking something like what they did with Get On Up with James Brown, with um, the Miles Davis film, with um, Ray. Even Ray took a certain section of Ray Charles's life. So I think that's what you would have to do with Prince. And I think the period before, I think the end of it would be the success of Purple Rain. It yeah. would, the end of it would be, you know, as on the screen thing, Prince 
since the Beatles was the first artist to have a number one song, album, and movie the same week. I, I, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I would even add in there too. I would somehow make it that, and I would make it about him and his dad, like yeah. all of the turmoil yeah. of going up. And then I don't know if I would have to make up a scene or if there would be a scene later where it was sort of his dad, him, and his dad sort of came together at the end. And said, Man, I'm proud of you. You, you, you did it. You, you're doing. I've seen what you're trying yeah. to do. You know. He said that his dad never really said that he showed it in other ways. Right. And, and I, I get Prince's relationship with his dad because his relationship with his dad reminds me a lot of my relationship with my dad. We connect on music. That's, you know, that's the reason why I write about it so much. Um, but I think his, his relationships with family members would be interesting, particularly his parents, his mom and mm. his dad. We don't, you know, there's not a whole lot that's written about his relationship with his mom. And he never really talked a whole lot about his relationship with his mother, which would be, which would be interesting to see um, without crying so much. Because if he didn't, you know what? If he didn't want to talk about it, clearly there is a reason there's some why. Ish- yeah, there's a because you think about it. As an yeah. African American boy, <laughs> your yeah. mom, and this is for everybody, but I'm just I know for like for mm-hmm. myself, your mom usually is your world. Like right. that is mama, you know, dear mama, your mama is everything. So the fact that it's not as, she's not as mentioned as much, or, you know, you didn't really get to see that. And I, again, we're on the outside. That is a, that is a, there's something there. I can only imagine, a, like, I think of my mom and the bond I have with her. I couldn't imagine like if, and I'm not saying this is how he felt, but to feel like maybe your mom may have abandoned you or chose yeah. somebody else for you. That would yeah. change everything. That would put a different spin on your mind, probably about women, about how you see yourself. Yeah. Um, so I think it would be a very interesting thing to explore. But yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, his, his relationship with Andre's mom. Right. And how, you know, that relationship became very close because he referred to her mm-hmm. as his second mom. And, and that had to be, that had to be, um, difficult to know. You know, and you see pictures of there are very few, but you see pictures of Prince hugging his mom and kissing his mom on the cheek, and you know this man loves his mother. Mm. You just don't know what there was there that he didn't want to talk about. And guess what? That's okay because that's not for us to know. True. Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. It'd be a fascinating movie. Yeah. All right. Um, Man, I think we've covered pretty much everything uh, we wanted to get into. We could continue to keep going on, but I don't want to keep you too long. <laughs> um, where can people find you online? Um, I keep my Facebook pretty private because okay. I post pictures of my kids. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, she's, she's 14. I'm very protective. And someone somewhere felt the need to... Um, because they didn't like something I write, I wrote, felt the need to blast pictures of my daughter. Oh, wow. All those, right. So um, I'm very protective there. If you friend me on Facebook, um, I'll look at your stuff. And if I feel safe, I will. My tweets are open. Twitter, okay. I go ham on Twitter, on politics, on music, <laughs> on everything. So you can find me on Twitter at 
Aisha, A-I-S-H-A, Staggers, S-C-A-G-G-E-R-S. Um, you can email me, um, Aisha, A-I-S-H-A, at booktrib, B-O-O-K-T-R-I-B, dot com. Um, if you want to um, ask about books, if you are a writer and you want to review books or you want to um, have your book reviewed, you can get in contact with me there. And I have my own website. I have to update it. But um, it's um, akstaggers, S-P-A-G-G-E-R-S, dot wordpress, dot com. And you can click on contact me there, and it'll take you right to um, a personal email address that I use. So the easiest way to contact me is via Twitter. Um, but you can, you can reach me on Facebook Messenger. You just won't be able to see everything on my page. There you go. There you go. All right. All right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, uh, be sure to go on to Twitter and thank Aisha for coming on the show. And check her out, her, check her out on uh, booktrib.com, right? They can go on there and uh, check you out on there. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we get out of here, again, I got to thank all of my Patreon people for supporting this show. Thank you so much uh, for the support. Also, uh, check me out uh, at the PRN Alumni uh, Foundation event coming up uh, in September. So check me out September 9th, which is Saturday for the alumni shares and uh we'll i'll be hosting or moderating the uh, engineering panel so we're gonna have susan rogers uh saint paul paul peterson uh scotty b dave hampton and it's going to be at the capri theater which is a you know theater prince had his first concert at so definitely come check us out there that's saturday september 9th we start at 12 p.m and it's for a good cause all right as i always say work it like a job we are out of here peace